Scanning. Identity authorized. Welcome to the Secret Superhero Club Podcast Network. Legend has it, there was once a king so cruel and so evil that the gods feared him. Since no prison could hold him, he was trapped forever in the form of a great black cauldron. The old king, that black-hearted devil. Walt Disney Pictures presents The Black Cauldron. Escape into a world of darkness. Are you coming? Me? Go in there? Oh, no, no, no. It's a terrible place. A world of excitement. <sighs> a world of dreams. Aaron, the greatest warrior, a true hero. And through the magic of 70-millimeter photography and six-track Dolby sound, you will be transported to a fantasy event for the entire family. Look! Look, sire! It's working! Soon, the Black Cauldron will be mine. In the great tradition of Disney animated classics, now comes the newest Disney spectacle of them all, the Black Cauldron. Welcome, everybody, to the Animation Station Podcast, episode 107. My name is Josh, and today I'm joined by Tracy and Rob from Not Joanna Eggs Podcast. How are you guys doing? Doing good. How are you? Pretty good. All right. Now, first off, let's just, before we get into anything, um, do you guys want to say uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast? Uh, sure. So we are a podcast called Not Joanna Eggs. We review relatively obscure and otherwise weird or hidden gem animations uh like this ranges from movies series uh we've covered a lot of things from the rescuers down under which is uh the namesake of our show it's a quote from that um clone high we've done the boy in the world we've done storks just a a ton of stuff that we think needs a little bit more attention Mm -hmm. so we just decide to talk about it in a moderately humorous fashion so isn't clone high freaking awesome Oh, it's, it's delightful. delightful. <laughs> it's amazing. It's w- whichever kind soul decided to put that onto YouTube, you have my deepest thanks. All right. So, um now there's a little bit of a little bit of a history with um your naming scheme. Yes. That there is. <laughs> we have a, a bit of a uh I guess checkered past, you might say. <laughs> and that like we also happen to be called Animation Station with Robbie and Tracy. But um, oddly enough, like, and our hosting site is still animationstation.libsyn.com. Mm-hmm. So if you were trying to get that before from Libsyn or whoever you were hosting with, that's why you couldn't. Um, so but uh, yeah, so we decided to change it because we saw, uh, we did a search engine thing on iTunes and realized like, oh, there's a handful of animation stations. Maybe we should rebrand. Yep. So we did. But... Well, thanks for coming on, and today we're going to be talking about the 1985 Disney classic, The Black Cauldron. Whoop, whoop. Uh, But first, we do have a little bit of news. So, first off, it was announced that Showtime is going to be doing a live-action 
Halo series. So what? I don't I don't know if anybody's super about? excited about it, but I'm super excited about it. So I wanted to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Wait, how long have they had that in the works? I wonder because oh, like I Halo is. I mean, like, it's been around for decades at this point. Yeah, well, Peter one Jackson was supposed to do something like Peter back Jackson. in 2009. <laughs> That's adorable. Oh my yeah, but he he was super deep into King Kong at that point, so I didn't really yeah. know if that was going to happen. Yeah, no. Well, like, if that was supposed to be after King Kong, it was it was supposed to do that. Hmm. And that right. and then um, it was supposed to be the same studio that did District Nine. That's why a lot of the vehicles and everything in District Nine look like they came out of Halo. Uh, that's <laughs> Wait, like were they just funny. trying out models to see how people responded to them? Basically, yes. It was like <laughs> hmm, we already have this. Uh, shoot. Like and like the way that the uh, like the the army guys in District Nine look, those were supposed to be the original Space Marines. Oh my god! Oh my god. So yeah, it's it's had like it's touched like thirteen different studios, but no one wants to do it because it's gonna be really really hard to pull it off. I mean, I yeah, mean, that, that would be like trying to do like well, actually no, I guess Skyrim would be easier because Game of Thrones is pretty viable, but. How would you? But any uh, here's any, the thing: like doing a space show nowadays, like it's not like with um, the limited technology of something like Next Generation or Star Trek, it doesn't really work. Well, and like no, there just hasn't been a good video game adaptation movie. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I mean, a series probably holds a little more promise for that, but. I don't know. Yeah, it'd still be too big for their britches to do a series. I have no idea. I mean, I'm pretty neutral on Halo, to be honest with you, but... Fair. Um, a series might have... A series might be able to do it because it's got a little more meat to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Halo... How, what are they intending to cover? Because I remember sitting down and beating Halo 2 in a day... Yeah, and it, I mean, it took like four hours. Um, well, hold, maybe what I would like for them to do. There was a um, Eric Nyland did a series of books. He did the fall of reach. He did the flood mm, and then he did okay. uh, first strike. So fall of reach kind it. It focuses on like the Spartan two program. So they're all like pretty much kids that were abducted and genetically enhanced to be badass. And sure. that's what the military did. Hmm. So, like, if they do that storyline, I think it would be pretty cool. Yeah. I think you do some. There's something there. Yeah. But again, who knows what they're yeah. going to do. I don't work for Showtime yet. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the They'll hire me. Man, no. Um, second little bit of news. Friend of the show, uh, Joshua Seth, who is Ty in Digimon, uh, he what? is getting his very own Funko. <gasps> wow. No way. Yes, there's a Tai and so Agumon cool. and Matt and Gabumon. And I'm like, that's amazing. Aww. I am so happy that he's finally getting a Funko. Digimon's Congrats, finally getting dude. low. Are there are there Pokemon Funkos? No. I, I ah, think that I'm um, gonna guess. Uh, well, I think not. that they have kind of almost I don't know if it's exclusive, but they do a lot of work with um Tomy, and I think um I don't know if Playmasters is still in the game, but I know that most of their like minifigures are specifically through Tell Me. They actually have a uh, facility just outside of the uh, of Chicago where we are, and um, but uh, th- that much I don't know. Like I don't know why they've never gotten into the Funko Pop game. 
Well, I mean, they have like amiibos and all that other crap. So that's true. Yeah. Which those. are essentially like baby Funkos. <laughs> so Digimon getting a Funko before Pokemon. That makes me happy. That's pretty dope. Good for them. Okay, let's go ahead and peel, peel the Band-Aid off. I guess it's okay. a good way to put it. Rip it right off. At least it's the three of us together, and we don't have to do this alone. All right, so we decided to watch the Black Cauldron, which, again, is a 1985 mm-hmm. Disney film. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this this film, is it's the 25th uh, animated Disney f- uh, feature film. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. got it's got a, a lot of distinctions. It's the first in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, like this is the um, first uh, Disney film to feature CGI. Mm-hmm. It's the first Disney film to receive a PG rating. Yep. Um, the first Disney film to contain no songs. Wow. Which honestly, I was super grateful for. The I mean, more we got into it, I don't. I don't <laughs> think any song. I don't think you could write a song in that movie that would not make me want to rip my eyes out. You don't. You didn't <laughs> want to hear the Gurgi eating Munchies and Crunchies song. I would go back in time. I would first find a way to go back in time, and then I would create. I would major in engineering and create a machine. To reach into the movie and strangle Gurgi if he started singing. Uh, That'd dang. be preferable. <laughs> That's, I do not love I'm, Gurgi. I'm starting to sense some I, ire that you had have, for this movie. I, here's the thing. I actually don't hate this movie, but I definitely hate the idea of someone like Gurgi singing. <laughs> I mean, like, th- there's a reason that there was no like tap dance scene for Smeagol in The Lord of the Rings, <laughs> and um, I think we know why because it's unnecessary and sounds terrible on paper. I mean, so I'm I, glad they didn't here's do it. The thing I wouldn't have put it past the Rankin Bass animated movie. Honestly, no, <laughs> that's like, right up their alley. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. Um, it's uh, also well. Go on. Oh, sorry. Uh, I mean, I was just gonna say it's also the first Disney movie to have a uh, to have full closing credits with music, and it's the first to have closing credits since nineteen fifty one's Alice in Wonderland. It's also the first Disney animated film to have art in the closing credits, which makes sense since it was the first one with closing credits. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was also Tim Burton's only animated Disney film. Uh Hmm. That's pretty funny. I mean, honestly, that explains a lot. Yeah. Apparently, he was a uh, concept uh, concept artist. Yeah, that sounds um, about right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've got... There's this also... took me... Af- after watching this movie, this took me down the deapest of rabbit holes with, oh, like, sure. Black Cauldron. Because there's so much there about, is. like, the formation of this movie and what didn't work. <laughs> well, there's one other thing that should be noted with this movie. It was the first post-Walt Disney himself movie for the company like it was when they because they acquired the rights to make this movie bt dubs in 1971 Mm -hmm. almost 15 years before it came out yeah which is not that it was in production for 15 years it was in hell for like 10 (laughs) um it's it is a mess the production of this thing so but it was because it was the first movie under a new management, basically, by the Disney company, it was setting expectations for what defines the company from here on out. Yeah. And if that's if this is the film to do it, it's not a good sign. No. Well, so what um, 
Well, so where do we want to start? Because I have some thoughts, obviously. I have some things about the production, and I have some thoughts about the product itself, and then obviously... Uh, let's let's thoughts. let's go yeah, through like, all the let's go through all the production woes just because okay. I think us talking about the movie is going to be amazing. So yeah, um, I, can, I can talk. Let's, about let's this go through movie. the production stuff. Um, so, but basically, um, this film uh, is it's loosely based on um, Lloyd Alexander's The Chronicles of I think Perdane. Yep. Like based off the first two books because the first I book the, is I called read the first three. Uh, Sorry? I heard, I read somewhere that it was the first three books. Oh, I mean, it may be the first three books. I mean, I know The Black Cauldron is the second book. Okay. Mm. So we know so it's the first it's not, two. It's not even the first book. Gotcha. But when uh, Taryn meets uh, Elyon, we, that is in the first book. Okay. So it's it's all kinds of weird. Nobody yeah. knows anything about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's weird because I was... So I watched this last summer just on a whim, and uh, I was talking in one of my classes about, um, you know, like, fantasy series, and I was like, yeah, it's kind of like Tolkien's everything, and someone's like, well, yeah, but also the Chronicles of Predain. I was like, I have never, like, I know that that's the inspiration for the Black Cauldron, but I've never heard anyone talk about it. I don't think I've ever heard anyone mention that like Narnia gets name dropped more than that and those movies haven't really been around since what 15 years ago yeah. well there was an older adaptation yeah the BBC yeah. ones but they, oh, didn't, that's true. they don't that's count true. for America no they don't no. <laughs> but like there's something for so, I don't know why like and I since have found more instances of the Chronicles of Predane being pretty popular but it definitely isn't you know Lord of the Rings level God. But. I, I'm I'm just reading up stuff about this now. I'm like, my God, there's so much stuff that happened with this. Oh, it it is so drama. There's so there so it, much drama. For drama it. is such a good word. So, like, basically, the head of the studio, I think, wanted to push back production for some reason. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've got a whole blurb. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, go, go, go for it. Okay, Josh. so this is okay. The management team at Walt Disney Productions uh, changed during the film's post-production in 1984. Jeffrey Kratzenberg, the newly installed chairman of the Walt Disney Studios Motion Picture Division, screened the nearly completed film, and he was appalled by its darkness and graphic nature. He suggested (laughs) editing the film, and when producer Joel Hale protested, since animated films are typically not edited in post-production the same way live-action films are... Kratzenberg responded by having the film brought into an editing bay and editing the film him- himself. <laughs> this is well. And what's great is this is post production. There's oh, yeah, even like more the shit. Like, that done. is unreal. Like that is never done in a yeah, no. movie. Well, that's the article I was reading said like Jeffrey Katzenberg at the time just didn't understand that like because it's animated, there's no like outtakes to like supplement lost material. It's, exactly. just well, yeah. Yeah, it's just gone. But that's... Because if they if they cut like any particular scenes that could have any continuity issues, they either reanimate it and delay the release of the movie, or they just release the movie and have it not make sense. Yeah, so there's... Um, Guess which camp this I th- one fell into. I think they fixed it, because I tried to look for it when I was watching it last night, but um, in the cauldron-born scene, the cut is originally so egregious that it cuts mid-symbol crash... So, like, there's a crashing symbol, and suddenly it stops because Jeffrey Katzenberg cut it there. But that's the post-production. 
pre-production they pushed it back a bunch and among other things it caused uh a favorite of our pod mine tracy's podcast don bluth to leave the company yeah boy dragging 13 animators with him okay and uh, so, josh why don't you keep going because it seems like uh the rest of the um the interactions between Katzenberg just kind of keeps getting worse. Well, yeah, yeah that's, that's just, he was pretty new to the company at that time. Yeah, yeah well, and him, and, and, him well. and Mike Leisner were like scorched earth almost oh, in yeah. terms I of mean, what they, they wanted. Today. Speaking of Michael Eisner, uh, huh? informed oh, by what on. Kretzenberg was doing by Hale, Michael Eisner, the newly appointed uh, CEO and chairman of Walt Disney Productions, called Kretzenberg in the editing room and convinced him to stop. Though he did what Eisner insisted, Kretzenberg requested that the film be modified and a compromise deal was reached. Uh, Kretzenberg then delayed its scheduled Christmas 1984 release to July 1985 so the film could be reworked. Had it not gone, had it not went through many last-minute drastic changes, The Black Cauldron would have held the distinction of being the only full-length Disney animated feature film and the first film released under the Walt Disney Pictures banner to be rated either PG-13 or R by the MPAA. Holy crap! Yeah, that's insane. That's pretty and it, so it held that PG-13, that PG rating, um, and it was the only one until uh, Disney's Dinosaur came out in 2000. Ugh. Which I don't remember at all. Yeah, just a blip. <laughs> um, we should also note that this was, to date, the most expensive animated feature. Yeah. Yeah. Which and uh, I think was like forty four million. Yeah, I, I think that was later surpassed, or um, or at oh. least at uh, the time that I remember was Tangled was one of the most expensive, which I think oh, was one hundred and fifty million. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Like it, pound for pound, it's still. And, like, keep in a mind, lot, this is mid-80s money, yeah, so this exactly. is substantially so higher than now. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that was another sort of big thing, but I guess when, one of the interesting things to me is, I guess when Katzenberg and Michael Eisner came in, they also, like, moved production, like, literally moved the studio, the production studios mm-hmm. into, like, essentially a warehouse. <laughs> That's unreal. Yeah, and so, like, I was reading this article, and it says, like, basically there was a point, like, near the end of production where they were just, like, struggling for animators, and they literally would just grab whoever was in the office and teach them how to paint cells so they could finish (laughs) this movie. It is, like, looking into the production of this thing, it is just buck wild. And it's amazing. And to, to be honest with you, I am kind of amazed that it exists at all. Yeah. Also, um... Originally, um, Ron Clements and John Musker were supposed to be doing. They, they were they were in charge of this film, but then hmm. they left because of creative differences, and then went to probably go make the movie that most people think started the um, Disney Renaissance with Little Mermaid. I mean, they're not uh, wrong. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, to it, a lesser it extent, some people maybe say the Great, Great Mouse, Mouse Detective. Detective. Yeah, I mean, we love Which, the Great Mouse Detective. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty solid. Any, any time for more Vincent Price in my life is almost <laughs> bad. He's a national treasure. I don't care. And also, apparently, he makes really good Mexican food. He made a series of cookbooks back in the day. Good old what a, Vincent What an amazing Price. man. Oh, no. All right. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah. Basically, uh, this movie is uh, it's based off of uh, Welsh mythology, which mm-hmm. I, again, doing my wonderful uh, deep deep dive of oh, yeah. Black Cauldron. Apparently, El Yonwi is not like any sort of Welsh anything. 
<laughs> so it's like, yeah, all these people based on, you know, Welsh mythology, except that princess. She doesn't exist. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, that's generally the case. <laughs> but, Robbie, you have, like, uh, pre-production stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, ba- well, the the biggest one is that it, the production got pushed back a bunch, causing, like, several animators to leave, um, including but not limited to Don Bluth, as I said. Um, and then... John Musk. There was something with, like... I had read something like, and this would be probably closer to post-production, but by the time they were trying to get it out, they were just kind of like pulling anyone in the studio and giving them cell painting lessons to finish the fucking movie, <laughs> which is like buck wild to me. So they're essentially converting like this, like a, like a warehouse into like a sweatshop of just people painting like really quietly. Yeah, basically. Terrible. Um and so, yeah, that was some of the pre-production difficulties they had. And I think even though it got delayed by six months, as you were saying, mm-hmm. there was also something about their release that they wanted to time it. They wanted to do what the House of Mouse does, and they wanted to time it with um, the secret of Nim in order to mm-hmm. uh, deal a blow to their lost animators. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, they did. Yep. Quite effectively. Yeah. And that movie worked. Yeah, even though, uh, again, this movie did not do well nationally. <laughs> Didn't it nearly bankrupt the studio? Yes, yes it, this... it nearly, yeah. I it mean, is... the, the budget for the movie was $44 million, and it earned 21.3. It didn't domestically. Even... That's pathetic. Half of its budget. That's bonkers. That's really rough. Oh which which is one of the reasons why the movie didn't actually get a an ho- a home video release until 1998. So, <laughs> 13 years after the movie came out, they were like, we can put it on VHS. I remember that because yep. my um the, my childhood library when I was in like middle school finally got like the clamshell VHS case of like I've never even heard of this movie and there like I later realized that there was a reason. <laughs> yep. They've been trying to cover this thing up almost as bad as like some of the things they cut out of Fantasia, like at the centaur scene. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. That what bit a bad not scene. great. Yeah. Not great. Uh, but yeah, it's it's weird because like the movie did a lot better internationally than it did in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, it was really popular in, um, I know France. Does anybody else know where it was, you know, popular? Uh, Japan, I believe was another one, which kind of threw me off, but honestly, I, I guess I could kind of see it. And maybe they got a really good dub of it too. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and kind of going off with uh, what Robbie said, it was actually the last, Disney animated film to be completed in the original animation building in Burbank. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, yeah, I I guess that makes sense. Yeah, like, there's just... Oh, well, this kind of sucked. Almost bankrupt. We have to close this animation <laughs> studio. Yeah. It's so terrible. Well, I, I mean, guess... like, no wonder they started exporting all of their hand-drawn animation elsewhere. Like, that's why so many... Uh, features that came out back in like the 90s were done either in Florida or uh, like France and Australia and some other studios. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. So we talked about some of, oh yeah. So this, this part was pretty good. Um, The movie was so poorly received at the box office (laughs) that it was beaten out by the Care Bears movie. (laughs) 
Oh. Oh my god. Oh god. That is ruthless. One of the lesser franchises of the 80s in general. Like, if you said Transformers, I'd say, oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no question about that. <laughs> Not just because of the pull that they have with children and the obvious marketability, but, like, you know, robots fighting in space is pretty dope. But, oh, God, Care Bears. Yeah, which is great. It's like it, it was beaten out by the Care Bears here in America, but in France it was the fifth, um, the fifth most attended film of the year. Wow. It's just like, wow. Yeah, they, I don't know. I don't, maybe it was the, I don't know, the uh, the French voice actors. Maybe they were better. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, it definitely, it couldn't hurt in this movie. So you guys want to go ahead and just jump right in to the, uh, the actual movie? <laughs> the beast just, like, itself. The plot itself. <laughs> oh, man. I, I mean, mean, well. <laughs> there, there's a plot in this movie. Uh, yeah, sure, in the loosest sense of the term. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's like, a it's bad down. D&D party goes on an adventure. Yeah, I mean, it's basically just like a choose-your-own-adventure that no one wants to do. But, <laughs> um, like, yeah, okay, like, yeah, a fairly brief synopsis is that there's this apprentice pig keeper, or assistant pig keeper, I guess, mm-hmm. named Taran, who lives in Predane, that uh, he is taking care of this small pig named Henwen, where... Uh, apparently she has this magical ability to have visions if there is an incantation that's recited and then she places her nose into a bucket of water basically mm-hmm. and then she can predict the future so that's part of it um basically they ended up getting separated and Taran through like a bunch of wacky hijinks ends up teaming up with princess Alanwi, who um I, I don't even know if she's an actual princess but maybe she's just saying that yeah, like kind of, kind the more of... she says it maybe it'll become true later it kind of implies later on that no, it's not. Yeah, that she's just a scullery maid and she's been lying this whole time. <laughs> and well, uh, there's also... Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, John. Oh, well, I mean, it's it's one of those where I'm like, well, in the book, she is a princess. And I, I don't know, that may have just been, you know, the Horn King being a, being a D-bag. Just being a sass of, yeah. Just being yeah, a sassafras. <laughs> yeah, just like, you scullery maid. And it's like, oh, that's mean, John Hurt. <laughs> You're just saying that because I'm wearing my peasant John clothes. Hurt. This is how I escape out of the pa- out of the palace walls. Haven't you seen Aladdin? No, it hasn't been produced yet. <laughs> Damn Shit. It. Darn it. Oh man. Oh, uh, yeah, it was it Yeah, that's that's the that's the movie. We'll just go with that. They have to <laughs> they have to they have to find the, the black is... cauldron mm-hmm. because the because <laughs> Hinwin can find the black cauldron, but then they don't want Hinwin to find the black cauldron. So <laughs> he sends out uh, it, Taryn and Hinwin, and it's like, here, run away to our cabin in the woods. And yeah, it was like, like why that's didn't, a great idea. But, like, why didn't Dalbin just take her? It would have made more sense because he knows how to handle her and how to, like, restrain her because, like, clearly, like, she's still a pig. Like, she's still going to run away. But, like, Taryn's just so preoccupied with trying to have these fantasies about himself being this great warrior mm-hmm. that he has no attention span and he keeps losing her. Yep. And and honestly, that pig probably the cutest character in the entire I movie. I know. Yeah, she she's a cute patoot. I don't know why they decided to give her eyelashes, but maybe it's because she's a girl and they wanted I mean, to make her look cute. Hey, I, I was just thinking, man, you need to put her and Wilbur together, and it would make the cutest piglets. Oh yeah, and absolutely. I would love to eat them. And the, <laughs> and then they can all rejoin at a uh, Babe's family reunion and then hang out. <laughs> 
Can I also oh, yeah. point out it's not important because it disappears pretty quickly, but the cat that Dilbin owns, oh, yeah. oh, fantastic. Yeah. It it seemed to be a very Don Bluth cat. Like maybe like that was as far as he got into animating, <laughs> and he just pieced out. He's like, I'm done. <laughs> All right, I'll draw this one thing, more cat for is, you, and then I'm out. <laughs> this ship is this ship is going down fast, and I'm not going to be here. Yep. Oh um, man. Man, I uh. Like, there's something about like the color palette in this movie too. Like it's not to say like, oh, this is a dark subject matter. Like no, really, like the color scheme is just gross. No, the like, color scheme everything is, is very, like, like it's dark. like yellow and brown and like lots of like really dark drab colors. And like this isn't even fun to watch visually. Yeah, well, so part of it, like part of what they wanted to do with this is because it came out, because it ultimately came out in the '80s, despite again uh, being obtained in '71. Uh, yeah. The color scheme is hard 70s, honestly. Yeah, but it, it definitely came out um, at a time, like, this would have been, I think, right around, adva- like, AD&D. Um, <laughs> but, like, so it, it literally, like, in the article I was reading, talks about how they were trying to capitalize on sort of, like, the Lord of the Rings, like, high fantasy adventure sort of feel that was sort of uh, in pop culture at the time, and... You can see it. Like, again, to me, it feels like a bad D&D party. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're trying to pander and they don't have the good writing to sustain it. Like, because ostensibly that's the crux of things like D&D or Lord of the Rings is that people get really invested in both the story and the characters, wherein it's it should be fairly straightforward to follow. But if the characters aren't interesting or likable, there's no reason to want to partake in it, which is kind of what this movie is. Yeah. So. Yeah, like... Going off what you said, like with it, like there being a uh, like a, a heavy D and D presence. Um, oh yeah. Because like yeah. just this from playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons to doing this, like watching this film, I'm like, yeah, I can see where somebody rolled for that. that yeah, right. Like, well, <laughs> I mean the the broom. I just imagine a DM be, a kid being like, all right, I want to intimidate him. I'm gonna grab the nearest object and like threaten him. All right, what do you get? I roll him that one. You grab a broom. He breaks the broom. <laughs> he is not scared. Well, all right. <laughs> and then it's and then like you... uh, like somebody rolled a, like a nat 20 on an investigation search. You find a magic sword. Yeah. It's from like nowhere. A, it's like a magic sword that like is definitely meant for like the high level character. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Think that... Do you think that any of the animation that was done for uh, Dragonslayer that uh, Don Bluth was heavily involved with was in any way just kind of like a um, forget you kind of thing to Disney for them like <laughs> dismissing him? Because like here's the thing: the animation within Dragonslayer, like granted, it's a borderline impossible game to play. It's oh, yes. like you know, it's there; it exists to just take your money. But it the animation is just so fluid and beautiful, and it all happens to take place within a castle, and it's all about saving a princess. Do you think that there's any of that going on here? Or it was just coincidental, given the timing. Uh, I don't know, because I don't know. I mean, I I honestly don't know a ton about that game. Um, I kind of want to learn just, a little bit more about yeah, it. Yeah, right. See if 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 I don't think that Don Bluth would be that petty, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. Um, Jeffrey Katzenberg sure is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's got that kind of track record. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why I can never really watch Shrek again. It's just, there's just so many, like, petty stabs at Michael, uh, Mike Eisner, who is admittedly not really a good person either, 
but it's just like, come on, guys, like leave this stuff at home. It's not okay. Don't fight in front of the kids. <laughs> um, um, so, what what did you guys think of the characters? We'll just do we'll just do we'll go through each character, and we'll just I guess we can just do like a like chat about the characters. So, Taryn, our main one one of our main characters. So did you guys like Taryn? No. <laughs> I mean, it's like one of those where I'm like, eh, I mean, you seem like a, I don't know. I mean, he just, I like, just thought he, he just sucked. Like boy. <laughs> I, I just thought he was way in over and he was way over his head and he did not have the skill set to back up like his braggadocious nature. And oh. admittedly he's a kid. Like they're going to do that anyway. But I'm like, no, I, I don't, I really don't like that the kind of cliche and archetype of a character because like I'd rather just meet someone who like has the stuff that's undiscovered as opposed to him saying all the great things he's gonna do and then never does it oh yeah he was he was so stereotypical that it it almost hurt watching it <laughs> because it's like it was... I know exactly all about this you're gonna find yourself and you're gonna save the day at the end and there's gonna be a yeah, self-sacrifice like, and eh. it, it's like the story itself just becomes you waiting for certain beats to happen and it's more just you dreading it because you're just you know you're like okay great now he's gonna go to this thing it's like oh is there a princess there oh he's gotta go see the witches now like it just becomes kind of routine and formulaic and it's just not fun I but, guess but here's the thing with that what's the first one to do that like the is, first like fantasy film to do yeah it. that's yeah. actually a fair point is like where does that where does the trope start right because like because for all we and... know the trope started with black cauldron it that's... more than likely didn't but i mean just like th- <laughs> like it 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 could have started with that yeah and then now everything that we see is based on this movie and when we go back and watch it it's like oh well this movie's just like everything else <laughs> yeah I mean, like, well, okay, let's contrast that with another film that Disney happened to do that was also fantasy-themed that I personally think had much better storytelling, something like Robin Hood. Granted, if you're not into, like, anthropomorphic creatures, it's probably not for you, but the way that it works is that, though the story can be slow-paced at times, the characters are memorable and they sustain the story going because Robin is charming. You do want to see him get together with Maid Marian. Prince John is obnoxious, but he's funny enough as a villain to keep going throughout the movie. He's not the strongest villain, but I think that he's interesting enough. Uh, little John is there as his sidekick. Yeah, just enough of a threat because, like, even though he doesn't have any physical power, he does have the ability to, in, uh, I guess, like, imprison most of Robin's friends. So there is an actual threat there. And I, I don't know. It's just, I, I think that there's just something about those kind of tropes where, yeah, you anticipate it, but it's just more fun to watch it unfold because the only real inversion is the fact that they're animals. So, yeah. I mean, another, another thing that also helps is, um, like, the age difference. Yeah, because like true. Robin Hood is a he's an adult. Yeah, he's he's, he's an adult. He's an adult that it, that knows himself. Whereas yeah. Karen is some kid who has high hopes. Yeah, yeah what well, I think he doesn't have much of a definitive personality. Yeah, yeah what well, I think. Yeah, I think some of that comes from again the fact that they're compressing two to three novels yeah. into less than like, into eighty minutes. And so, like, I mean, this is just, like, based on, like, a little bit of research. I guess, I think that they're setting up a character that can grow a lot, but because of the the compression of this movie, that growth doesn't really happen. Yeah. Like, it, it, it happens in, like, 
the loosest, weakest sense. Yeah. Like, I, honestly, I, I cite a lot of the issues with the script writing because did you realize that this movie has seven script writers? That's Which insane. is always a red flag. Oh, that's yeah, too many. Always a red flag because Space Jam had six, and look how that turned out. Hey, hey, <laughs> Ravi, it's not a good movie. Rewatch it. I it will might be not have it's you not be a good smirch. Movie. Space Jam. I'll be smirch whatever I darn well please. But no, like, so here's the thing. It's that if there are seven different writers that are all conflicting about how they want to portray a certain character, he may have a very well fleshed out personality within the novels itself, but that's not conveyed within the movie, Yeah, which is an issue because if we don't, we we should have at least a decent idea of who he is within the first 10 minutes of knowing him. That's just good writing. So. Yeah. And like to say nothing of like, again, this, like this thing's, uh, what's the word? troubled production history it's Mm. entirely possible that you had like one guy started writing it and then they don't like what he's doing and they had another guy come in and start writing and so like it really is like a bad example a good example of what too many cooks in the kitchen can cause kind of like when brave changed directors uh roughly halfway through and it's super noticeable because the tone shifts so much that you don't really know how to feel by the end of it I try I to forget that Brave was don't. a movie. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, that, I, I don't know. I think that that was the thing, too. You know, But like th- that also had a troubled history as well. Like We could even get into The Good Dinosaur, but I don't know if we have that kind of time. I do not want to do that. No, I no, have, to be, I I have to be at work on Monday, so <laughs> I, can't, I don't think we have time to destroy The, last, the, the Good Dinosaur. Maybe <laughs> some other time, then. <laughs> okay, so I think we can all agree, Taryn, meh. Yeah. yeah, pretty meh. What about um, I guess second character we're main like main character that we're introduced to Henwin. Henwin's great, was adorable pig. Yeah. But she was pig. cute. Didn't have any problems. Yeah, that is a quality pig. Yes. Had no problems with her. All right, uh, so I guess next character would be the wonderful Gurgi. <laughs> not, not a fan. No, <laughs> I really I don't know anybody that's a fan. Like. Here's it's the problem. Those, I like, like this design because I like this goofy little furball that also has like a he's mustache. He's like a Lhasa Apso crossed with like a tiny monkey. Like he's it like a do what crossed me. with a he's like a what? Like, like a, a, a Lhasa Apso, like a dog. Like, I don't know what the fuck it, you're like, like a Shih Tzu about. dog, basically. Okay. You know, it's like they're all hair and mustaches and stuff. But oh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, granted, bowl cuts were pretty big in the mid nine or mid. Mid '80s, but well, were, I don't know. They're not unpopular in the mid '90s. Yeah, and also his Tom Selleck mustache, which I'm sure was yeah. deliberate. I, yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> like that mustache, but as uh, just as this little critter, munchings. I can't even do the voice, but the munchings. Please don't. Munchings. It, it's like basically take the personality away. Of course, I, I, can. I don't remember because like, I haven't seen the the animated Lord of the Rings in years. Did Gollum <laughs> sound anything like that? Like when they did I'm Smeagol sure and Gollum. That that was I'm pretty sure that that was all Andy Serkis, honestly. Well, I like, also don't remember because I haven't watched that movie in a long time. Because like when when Gurgi does like his munchies and crunchies, I th- like the whole time I was sitting there, I'm like, Andy Serkis stole that. For Smeagol. I mean, he very well could have. Like, I don't know, maybe this movie was important to him. I don't know, but I I, I don't know. Last time I checked, Andy Serkis was making music videos for Coldplay. So <laughs> he was in uh, he was in Black Panther. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. He was. Yeah. He was actually, actually, not great. being n- not in CGI this time, which was nice. For the most part. Yeah. He's, tr- he's transcended. 
He's, he's making <laughs> he's the Ron he's Perlman He's achieved the singularity and he's human again. Like, it's it's one of those where, like, with Gurgi, like, to me, I didn't think that you could have someone, like, worse than Snarf, but <laughs> then there's Gurgi. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I would rather have Snarf than Gurgi. We took all yeah, the things you too. hated about Snarf, dialed those up to 11. <laughs> yeah. Here he is. Oh, man. <laughs> and, like, the thing is that, like, okay, so here's the thing. Gurgi isn't necessarily, like, completely worthless because he does happen to come in and, like, help them out later into the movie. But for the most part, he's just, like, intent about, like, his thing is that, like, oh, he just always wants food. Like, he's just hungry. He's going to steal that apple. And <laughs> that's not interesting to me because, like, Gurgi's entire thing is just that he's, like, super greedy and, like, kind of obnoxious, and he's willing to, like, mislead Tarin, who apparently is pretty stupid to end up following this creature that's clearly just out for his apples. Here's the thing. So. He is a he is a young lad that is easily swayed. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mean, honestly, he has no business leaving Dalbin's uh, hut thing. No, no like, he should have stayed. He's clearly not ready for the real world. Oh, no. He's, he's just a poor pig boy, <laughs> which I love. Okay, so so there's the scene at the end of the movie where uh, the witches are like, here, you can have this sword. And he's like, but I'm just a pig boy. My mind went to that (laughs) James Franco skit in SNL, that little pig boy skit. And I died. I was just like, yes, love it. I I just went little pig boy, and I'm like, it's perfect. It's great. It it vaguely made me think of the uh, the pig man skit from... um tim and eric with tommy was so mm-hmm. like guy from the room where he's just like going around with like a pig nose and stuff i'm like all right tim and eric yeah it was hilarious i, I was like i'm just a pig boy like it's such a mean thing to call him too just like <laughs> well, all the guards are like hey pig boy I'm like, that's yeah like boy. that's apparently like it, it's like they use it like in expletive or like a slur <laughs> so it's like, like, get over here pig boy it's like that's the perf- it's a legitimate profession yeah, it's true. I mean, like, hey, some of us has to earn some keep. Like, we can't all just go out and slaughter people. Oh, man. Like, the pig boys make life easier for the rest of us. <laughs> Going back to Gurgi, good lord. <laughs> that that ending thing, like, when he dies, and he's like, Gurgi's not like Master. Gurgi doesn't have any friends. Bye. And then he just dies? Like, like, yeah, right. There's supposed to be an yeah. emotional core there, and instead you're like, all right. I was like, when he died, I was like, good. (laughs) Yeah, like, no, I was the same way. I was like, honestly, Gurgi, they're not really his friends. Well, yeah, that's my favorite. (laughs) That's one of my favorite things earlier in the movie is like, Taren, like, Taren's going to rescue the pig. And Gertie's like, I'm not going to follow you because he just wants the food. So he throws the apple at him. You just care about the food. It's like, well, yeah, he just met you. Yeah. Why would he fu- like? Why would he just want like, anything? You're not other my than that friend. Apple? It's like, <laughs> it's like. I met you five minutes ago. What do you mean you won't die for me? <laughs> like he gets so outraged at the fact that like he's not like um, he's not willing to sacrifice anything. And just be like, Googie, I thought we were friends. It's like I've literally met you ten minutes ago. <laughs> he's way too invested. Oh man! Like I said, uh. young lad easily swayed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I guess I would still probably like just lock him back in there and just be like, you need to come out once you like you know, learn some things about the world. Like read a book for once, Taran. And then it, we come to I, I would I would guess our our second best character in this movie besides Henwin, 
um, the young princess Elyonwi. Oh yeah, who, yeah, I dig her. Who looks like Aurora, but has she does. but has like that spunk esque of like Jasmine. Yeah, she's got like kind of a generic Wendy face yeah. from uh, Peter Pan too. Like, it, yeah. it, it kind of felt like she was just an amalgam of a lot of things. I I like, I, I liked her character. Um, she actually gets stuff done. Yeah, like I appreciated that. Like, yeah, she's she like, has hey, Taran, some, like... stop feeling sorry for yourself and get out here and help me. She's I like a bold she... character. She's like, yeah. I have this cute little ball of magic light. That will help us here, and then will disappear until the very end of the movie. It's convenient. And no one very plot it. convenient. <laughs> that really bothered me when I was watching it. I was just like, "Wait, what happened to her bobble? Like, wouldn't this be a great time for them to use it as like a distraction? Nope. So they can get away faster. I don't know. Yeah, but stop. You're making too much sense. The... Do you want to be was... a writer in this movie? Because I mean, you probably can. <laughs> Josh, I'm just so tired of obvious first drafts. <laughs> it's such an issue. We keep running into them whenever we do our, our reviews. It's I don't know. If you really want to hear my ire, look at our review about Redline because I kind of go after oh, it. Oh Lord. Redline. I'm, I'm trying to not I'm trying to not bring it up anymore, Robbie. I, I'm sorry. I'm just What's Redline? It's my Vietnam. It's a oh, terrible man, anime it film. Is Tracy's favorite movie. That off show, we'll tell you more. It's, yeah. Oh, oh, I was you don't thinking. Want to get me started. I was thinking red. I was like that Bruce Willis old people movie. Yeah, yeah the one with yep. John Malkovich. Yep. <laughs> no, no, this is just a. It's like a. Yeah. It, it, okay, imagine making Speed Runner uninteresting. Speed uh, Racer. Uh, no, Speed Speed Racer. I'm sorry. Like, imagine taking the personality out of Speed Racer and making it into an anime film and make it way too hypersexualized. But is there still a little boy and a monkey that stow away nope. in the trunk? No. Hell no. No, oh, that's why that it's unwatchable. Then. Sounds gross. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, don't get me Back to the Black that. Cauldron. Uh, so, uh, anybody have anything else on Elyon Wee? Other than, I mean, she is... I mean, she's the lost Disney princess. Like, the... Well, oh, you yeah. made a good point. You made a good point. Because I guess technically... Uh, what's her What's her name in Enchanted? Oh, uh, Giselle. Giselle. She's technically animated as well. Yeah, she's also technically animated. But honestly, the reason that she doesn't exist anymore is just from a marketing and uh, not wanting to pay royalties. Thing. Yeah, it's literally so just Disney She still being exists the in the greediest. hearts and minds of many, many people. But they just don't happen to have dolls of her. But... And if they do, you can buy one for $400 on eBay. <laughs> And poor Ellie, I guess, just she yeah. doesn't she doesn't get any love anywhere. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't remember seeing any kind of merchandise for this movie. Um, like maybe like the occasional storybook, and like I think they they had like a promotion thing with Kellogg's, like spoons or characters or something to well, like had take a out of like game. a cereal box deal. Yeah, yeah, apparently they did. I never played it, but I want to play it now. It's was like I'm sure there's an emulator out there where I can it's play this game. It's a Sierra game. Yeah, so, I was like, I was like, uh, I was ninety percent. Isn't that for the, like the Atari twenty six hundred or fifty two hundred or something? Something like that. Yeah. So it's going to be atrocious. Yeah. Oh, God, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you're it, <clears throat> we we salute you, but you're going to be on your own for this one. Yeah, I say a lot of things that I don't actually do, and that's probably <laughs> one of them. So do we. I, mean, uh, yeah. I guess then we can meet. Our bard, uh, Mr. Fleur de Flem. Yep. <laughs> which, which my D&D group, we're, we're starting a new campaign in October. I kind of want to be a bard named Fleur de Flem. Do it. <laughs> if you can get the cursed harp that doesn't let you lie, you've got it made. Oh, yeah. That's the... Uh, 
And it's one of those where, like, I'm sure in the books, like, if you had read those books and went to go see Black Cauldron, that would make so much sense. Yeah. yeah. But not knowing it, you're just like, is that harp alive? Is it just yeah? Is it just being an ass? Like I don't understand this harp. Well, because they they don't really explain how it works. So like I guess either the implication is that like it's not that hard to figure out. Yeah. But if this was like a thing that like they couldn't just be like, wait, did your you know like just be like, did your harp just blow a string? Are you lying? But then they'd be explaining it too much like the yeah, show don't tell kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's also like its strings also miraculously heal themselves. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that did bother me. Unless he's really good at discreetly restringing his harp every now and then. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. They never really addressed that. Yeah. I mean, I thought he, I thought he was pretty good. I, I think for a bard, him. he didn't bard that much. I well, that's it actually a little bit weird that he kept trying to ship both Taran and Ilanwi uh, together. But that's just me. Oh, that, that was, was the best so... when when like he and Gurgi like they're like getting really close to each other at that fireside, and like he's like hugging Gurgi like, "Oh my gosh, it's gonna happen! It's gonna <laughs> yeah. happen!" He's like a, he's a 2018 you know freaking Starco shipper, just like, he's... "Oh my gosh, they're gonna get together." He was like I, the original wingman, except they're two like twelve year old kids, and I'm just like, this is still really weird, right? Like anybody else is kind of weirded out by this. No, yeah, literally, my note there was the bard absolutely writes slash fic of those two. Oh yeah, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so true. You know what's yep. great? I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go on fanfiction.net, and oh, I'm Lord. gonna see just as somebody wrote Black Cauldron fanfiction. That's there gonna has to be, and there they did their uh, username as Flitter Flam. That would be amazing. That would be fantastic. That would and be if the they biggest... haven't done that, you could be that person. <gasps> I'm gonna... God. That'd be awful. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, so... But, yeah, I mean, that that was kind of my problem. Was like, as a bard, he's he's not, like, bardy. Yeah, no, well, so not I, really. uh, I was trying to, because I do think that... Uh, I want to read the books now because I'm curious for, like, campaign material. But I stumbled on a forum thread of people arguing, like, how would you stat these characters? And someone's <laughs> like, Florida Flem wouldn't really stat as a bard because he never got into bard college. He would realistically <laughs> be, like, a rogue who has an instrument. Is there, like, a, a bard vocational school where he just, like, yeah. knows how to play the harp, but that's about as far as it got? Uh, it, like, whatever the equivalent of bard itt tech is <laughs> yeah so there's 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 actually like bards is like in history there's sort of like this bards college idea and there is like as a bard you have to sort of like show up and prove that you are not a bad bard it's kind of I like bonkers ironically in real life there is a bard college yeah i no, doubt that he went there yeah he probably didn't get in no, I doubt it. His grades wouldn't have been good enough. Well, apparent, enough. apparently in the books, like, he's a king of, like, some really small kingdom. What? Yeah, like, he's a king, and he's just like, man, my kingdom sucks. I get bored easily, so I'm just going to go off and pretend to be a bard and <laughs> travel right, I, around, and that's what he does. I, I want to go try that. to earn some extra money by working as a bard. <laughs> king life is so boring. Which I is it. Which it makes me wonder, is, like, is he actually, like, super old in the books? Because, I mean, I like, know. what if he's, like, 20 so Because, I mean, they, they do take a lot of liberties. Like, with Taryn, like, he's never, like, really described too much. 
And mm-hmm. with uh, Alien Wee, she is a, like, her hair is, like, rose gold. And mm-hmm. they were just, like, blonde. Yeah, she's, like, a hard blonde. Yeah, they it was it was back in that day when Disney wasn't, you know, they were like, hmm, probably shouldn't do red hair. Yeah. They had that, to wait four years. Redheads. And they're like, okay, I might as well. Well, it kind of seemed like Taran's hair kept like going between being brown and blonde and uh, reddish. And red, but yeah. Gra- well, like granted, a lot of that might have been from the lighting too. But it just kind of seemed like they started giving up after a while. <laughs> just, just like we like, keep uh, running out of his hair it. color. Just use brown. No one will notice. Yeah. Is this the right color? Don't worry about it. Just yeah, finish d- the fucking cell. Oh. God damn it. <laughs> Just funny. finish the damn cell. Uh, yeah, it's, it, who knows what they were doing with that one. It's, yeah. and, and it's weird because, like, I didn't know. I mean, I, I'm i sure I did, but I guess Xerox animation is a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and was... I, for whatever reason, like it, it blew my mind when I saw the, uh, when I, the, I saw it, which like in the credits is like Xerox animation. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a thing, but think... like, it, it's one of those things where it's, uh, the way this film looks, um, it's all kind of like in 101 Dalmatians, like where you see like the pencils yeah. traces and everything. Oh, yes. With this, it looks like a weird, like your main images were superimposed onto your backgrounds and like you see like the little bitty bits of white that are around them where it almost looks like they were cut out yeah and yeah it it takes takes you out of the movie a lot it's kind of like when they used to have those places at the mall where you could shoot a music video but there's a very obvious like halo surrounding you of where the screen starts and ends (laughs) and it's like because that was the thing that took me out of it because within this movie they decide to use some live action footage of I think like fog or smoke or something and then they just like color corrected it so that it would match whatever background they wanted that was the we're gonna throw some floof yeah because like it was just it it was so uncanny and it just did not look good like it just kind of felt like they wanted to just use that kind of um technique as opposed to like how well i mean granted they can't factor in how well things are going to age but it just really took me out of it because it's an immediate separation of like oh right this was just shot on a multi-plane camera and you can Mm -hmm. tell like the very obvious differences with the live action behind it or cgi whatever like they made it kind of more organic in the Great Mouse Detective, which oddly enough was animated uh, concurrently with the Black Cauldron. Mm-hmm. But um, they decided to like kind of do like a cell shading thing, more or less, and just trace over the CGI to make it look more like the cogs inside of Big Ben. So, yeah, part of me's wondering like, is is that what they like? Because this came out in '85, and then uh, Great Mouse Detective's '86. So yeah. do you think after they had done that, maybe like in post, they were like, okay, we need to do some touch-ups now. Like after they had seen how the Black Cauldron fared. Yeah, I, I guess maybe like, well, granted, they probably had more time because uh, I, I don't know how much of a difference there is between once they finally finish finish um, production and go into post-production before they actually have to start getting the movie ready for distribution because like i i forget i think the great mouse detective came out in um i think it was june or something of 1986 so there is probably about a six month difference between these two movies coming out but i i don't know like the great mouse detective just looks a lot better because they didn't lean into the cgi as much as black cauldron did yeah they so they I, went full I think hog they, they knew to, yeah, I think they knew to just have the clock work as a set piece and then went from there because the entire scene alone lasts like maybe 45 seconds. But it's also one of the most memorable scenes of the movie. 
So yeah, as opposed to this, where you're like, oh wait, that was CGI. <laughs> uh, and then I guess we can finally talk about our last main person, which is the Horn King himself. <laughs> lame. <laughs> Um, who who is so important and so crucial and pivotal to the story that he dies and then the story just continues <laughs> so and i i guess the the his only saving grace is it's john hurt i guess yeah. that's that's it um, i mean i like his design but the emo- probably the most amusing thing is like he's the big bad in this movie He's, like, a minor villain in the books. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, like, Creep is more of a villain in this movie than the Horn <laughs> King is. Yeah, and at least Creeper has some interesting oh, yeah, animation. Creep, yeah. It's like, the Great Horn King is just basically, let's have ways of him sitting menacingly in a chair. Like, that's <laughs> how, most of what he does. How many menacing chair poses can we come up with today? The answer was 12. 12 that day. Ah, well, very like, good. And and they like they give him two like reveals like we have that first reveal yeah. when he's just like looking through I don't know like looking through like clouds or some crap I don't oh, remember yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't make any sense and he like turns around and you're like ah and then yeah. they do like the big huge like when Terran first sees him but it's like this big build up and we're like we already know what he looks like I mean yeah just kind of like, fast forward if this. that was. Yeah, because if that was the one that they were going to use, they shouldn't have lit that scene, the one beforehand where he's going throughout basically the corpses of all the other fallen soldiers, basically. Exactly. And because it it completely negates like having that kind of reveal, like, and (laughs) I mentioned this before pre-show, but the reason that having that kind of reveal work with the character, like, say, Dr. Claw on Inspector Gadget or something different, uh, like, it's they don't wait they don't do the reveal too quickly. Like you have to let the time build up. You have to let him become medicine, like a faceless figure that you are just like, you have to let his actions speak for how evil he is. And then we just see his dumb face, making him just look like Skeletor's like uncle. And it's like, it completely ruins it. Like, yeah, there's no, there's no space in this to actually build him being ominous. Yeah. Or like for like threatening as a character. Yeah, right, like, he, he just he, kind he of is there, and he, just, he doesn't do anything. Yeah, like, he mostly none of these sits... none of these bad guys in this thing. The only thing they've done is they've kidnapped a little girl. Yeah, and and a bard. That's it. <laughs> the and I guess well, Terran like is breaking and entering, so the, I yeah. guess the, technically the, uh, they're justified there. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they have every uh, right to evict him from the property at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're completely within their rights. I mean, to uh, be so, fair, I think they're squatters. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, eh. well, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're. I I definitely I, I, got I don't know how really bad ma- castle maintenance. Who knows? I mean, that's possible, but I definitely got the feeling that they're like squatting in an abandoned castle. Yeah. Hence yeah. the tomb with the magic sword. There, there was a part of like the Horn King's whole plan, which <laughs> was really bizarre. Because it's it's the voiceover that we have at the beginning, which is always great when you have somebody telling you what's going on. Um, yeah, I love to be explained too. Um, mm. He says it's it's something a lot. I, sh- I forgot to write it down. Um, the Horn King wants to raise an undead army, and I'm like, well, you if they're undead, aren't they just like it's like an immortal army? And I'm like, well, if they're immortal, then 
how are they dead now? Why do you got to raise them? Aren't they yeah. just aren't they just there like, taking a nap? And, and here's the thing, he's already got kind of like an ill-trained albeit fairly numerous living army. Does yeah. he really need a dead army? Yeah, it doesn't Like it like doesn't like what what does he want to do? Like it's not even something like they don't even give him the motivation of just wanting to really take over the world. Like they kind of do, but it's a throwaway line within the first 2 minutes of the movie where they're just giving you the prologue and it's yeah, it it adds nothing to his actual motivation. That would be, yeah. Oh man. Oh, uh, so uh, out of completely out of uh, any sort of it. I don't know. But uh, today at two eighteen p.m., um, I'm in the group text for D and D. Got a text uh, from my friend Daniel. Hey guys, I think I may play a bard in the new campaign. So. Uh, and I was like, I want to be a bard too. So now we're going to have like a whole campaign of Double bards. Po- there <laughs> is uh, a podcast that I haven't listened to yet that sounds fantastic. It's called Bombarded, and it's just a party of bards. That's amazing. That's fantastic. And they like, all the episodes are like verses or cantos and things like this. And I do believe it's partly musical. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it goes, uh, may I suggest you two become the Wild Stallions? Uh, YouTube will write a song that will save the world. Uh, Dose Bards, everyone be bards, let's make a band. And then F yes. Let's do it. That that sounds amazing. Everybody do the bard, man. (laughs) Gross. Um, uh, But no, uh, yeah, his... And it's not like his... He wants this undead army, and it's not like his human army is inept. No. I I mean... mean, I mean, they're dirty. Yeah, they're, they're just like, <laughs> They're gross, but sure. They have skin still, so I'm sorry. Maybe he's just skin phobic. I don't know. I do. Th- you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he really. He actually just wants friends who look like him. Oh. <laughs> he's actually just a lonely king. <laughs> That's almost endearing if he wasn't so gross. <laughs> if he wasn't. If he were more skeletory. Yeah, I mean, both, honestly, yeah. Both, I want him to be buff, and I want him to be hilariously over the top. Yeah, because well, he's still ripped, but he's not nice, and I appreciate I'm that from my skeleton. Nice. When, uh, when uh, Robbie, when you sent that uh, that pic, that was like what the original horn oh, looked uh, like. Oh, the old book cover, <laughs> yeah. I I almost would have preferred that guy. Because I, I mean, I, the ram's horns are one thing, but those antlers, he could have got you. I mean, they're they're more demonic looking, which I would think is what they wanted to go for. But how much of that do you think was just being shopped back and forth? We're like, this is too scary. Kids oh, are crying so in the theaters. We can't let them use those horns. Well, they were probably like, oh, man, it's going to look like we killed Bambi's dad and we've already <laughs> killed his mom. So, <laughs> well, I, apparently it was one of the animators. Um... Crap, I lost it. Um... You'll get it back. Hold on. I think it was Joe Hale oh, did yeah. not like that design. I think he was one of the executive producers, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Either so that or the director. Yeah. Yeah, so he didn't like the design from the book cover, and so he designed this one. Hmm. And then he apparently is also, even though he's the Horned King, he has elements from 
other characters in the book, which probably doesn't help anything <laughs> for this this poor, unfortunate um, mishmash of elements from a series of books. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I. It's it's one of those where I'm like I can't decide who I like the least, like the Horn King or Gergi. It's a tough one. Well, what what about uh, Creeper? Did you like Creeper? I liked Creeper. Yeah, Creeper was fine. Which is, I liked which watching is, his animation. Which is great because Creeper is actually in uh some in in the thing in Tokyo Disney. Really? Yeah, it's one huh. of like it's apparently it's this big huge production. Um, it was at one point in the '90s. I don't know if it's still a thing anymore, but it's like this big, huge thing, and then it shows a bunch of these villains and creepers there. Huh? That's I'm like, crazy. Well, at least one thing from from this movie survived. Things are turning creeper. out okay for Creeper. <laughs> I would well, watch like, everything's coming up, Creeper. <laughs> they should, well, do, yeah, like, they should do a he's... Disney a Disney TV show about Creeper. I would have watched that. They should like. Like, like it's creeper, like a Family Matters style show where it's just creeper like it's living creeper, with a family. Creeper, he's a little. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Creeper. Oh, that'd be perfect. You just like re reuse Jeepers Creepers and make yes. it into a show. <laughs> just like just like him with his with his hands out, like oh well. <laughs> Who else but creeper? Yeah, that that'd be great. Let's let's make that happen. Disney. That'd be perfect. Someone get on the horn with Disney. That's actually that's actually the article I was reading is like. They could still make a series. They still own the rights. Yeah. They could, but I don't think that they will. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Uh, that, but what that... if it's good, though? I mean, like, honestly, there's probably enough writers in, like, Hollywood nowadays that might be able to adapt it and have it make sense. Because, like, it's cool to have, like, nerdier stuff at this point. Like, maybe they could make it palpable and interesting. Like, how they, like, how they, um, like, DuckTales, essentially, the reboot is very similar, but they adapted the stories a little bit more so that it's a bit more modern nowadays. Yeah, and they adapted some of the, they adapted it more from the old comics. Yeah, I think you could, I think if they wanted to, if Disney could, like, put the resources towards it, they could make a Chronicles of Predane series that would probably be pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, because I think it... I mean, one in the age of, uh, you know, Game of Thrones, <laughs> it's yeah, easier like, to get something going there. Especially if they did it live action, because animation might be kind of unnecessary for this, but you yeah. could easily just make this live action and have it work. Like how I they mean, did with, uh, like, Once Upon a Time or um, yeah, some of the other shows like, that they've what done. They, what they're doing with uh, Descendants now. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. You could, you could do mm-hmm. that, and I think it would be great. I mean, they're doing it yeah. with Kim Possible, so it's like, eh, why not? Make it Which a... I'm super excited about, by the way. Wait, I oh, hope yeah. they don't mess it up. <laughs> That's going to be I've, a tough I've one. Like, as long as they don't mess it up. Like, I, yeah. I, I wanted to do a campaign to get um, me and my uh, other host, Hannah. Uh, we wanted to be in uh, employees at Bueno Nacho in the <laughs> in the Kim Possible movie. Oh, man, that'd be so cool. I would, that would be amazing. Okay, well, man, I, I don't even know. Like, this, this movie, like... I don't. I'm not super duper down on it, um, <laughs> but it's not good. Um, it's not. So it, it's just hard because, like, I get we could talk about the story, but I mean, and like honestly, uh, even the witches were kind of annoying. Yeah. Um. But like, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I kind of enjoyed the busty one, but that's just because she's so extra. You did. 
which well, I, well, well, that you, one don't you witch. sit there and judge me, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> that that I gotta one get witch with the hood. Like, yeah. I, I was watching, like, that's the same witch from Hercules. Yeah, I mean, it's basically <laughs> just one of the fates all yeah, over again. Like, we yeah. just recycled like, these designs. You know, yeah, that, that's kind of a thing. It's that, like, you can see certain, like, visual motifs and things that they did within this movie that they later recycled into different movies that did substantially better. Well, th- well, there's that scene when uh, Fear de Flame uh, runs into <laughs> the, uh, uh, like, the kitchen area. Yeah. And there's that, there's that chef, and he throws the cleaver, and it hits the door. And I'm like, they did that in Little Mermaid. Yeah, that was a direct reference to Little Mermaid. Yeah. I was like, oh, I see what you guys did there. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, um, uh, <laughs> like... I'll say this whole thing. I mean, like, it's just like, I think the reason that they had the witches was they were like, we want like an inversion of the fairies from Sleeping Beauty because they're so like known as like beloved characters. They're probably the most popular characters from that Sleeping Beauty movie, but they want to ruin them in some way. So we're going to make one of them a sex pot. One of them has a a really unnecessary headband because mid 80s and the other one is just gross and wants to eat people. So we're going to ruin the fairies. I, I fully support uh, headband wearing witch. All right. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Hey, she was just she in likes for that bargains. sword, man. She That's wants true. the yeah, sword she... and uh, I dig the headband look. I'm She's just... a lady with an eye for a bargain. That's fair. I'd be lying if, if I said that that wasn't me too. Oh, I... well, well, it's great because like uh, in the books, uh, apparently uh, that the, the buxom witch uh, she is going after Flim like the entire series, really, and he's like constantly Actually, like trying totally to like beat her that. off with a stick. Be like, get away, woman! <laughs> kind of like would chowder with Panini. Yes, I could totally see that. I love that dynamic. That is a really fun thing to mess with. Ah oh, man, uh, uh, do you guys just want to go I, ahead and rate it? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those where it's like, we've talked about it, but I still think everybody should go see it. Like, everybody should <laughs> yeah. watch it. Just, you'll get a, a laugh-ish, um, maybe. You'll, <laughs> you'll just think, man, this would be a great campaign to play. Um, yeah. If you're a D&D person, you can, you can sort of... I don't know what's the word here. Like you can see glean. what they're trying to go for. Yeah. Well, and you can glean some elements that are fun to play with. And also, yeah. it's a better D and D movie than the D and D movie. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're setting. A pretty... oh, I'm sorry. You don't, you don't like a screaming Jeffrey Irons? <laughs> or sorry, Jeremy Irons. Sorry. I don't like I a mean, screaming Jeremy or Jeffrey Irons. That's fair. I don't. I feel like they had a mind flare or something in there, and I just ugh. We we fought a mind flare last night, and one of our party members is stoned now. So, oh lord, um, it did not work out well. Anywho, <laughs> yeah, on that on that wonderful let... thing, yeah, I guess let's go ahead and rank it. Yeah, go for go it. For it. Uh, real quick, before before we end, does anybody have any final thoughts on this? Um, I probably would never let a child watch this. Ironically, um. Because I think that, like, the whole thing about, like, it being too scary for kids, like, I think that kids can handle a lot, but the the scene at the end where the Horn King is touching the cauldron and his skin starts getting ripped off of him yeah. and going into the cauldron is really unnecessary and pretty, unne- like, just unnerving. Like, I wouldn't let a child watch it. Also, I just think the kid would be bored, and I'd just have them watch Coraline instead. 
Yeah, that's This will teach you good morals. So. So, Robbie. What about you, Robbie? Uh, no, I think I've got most of my notes out. Because uh, I think at a certain point I just stopped writing them. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. You just started experiencing it for all it, all it was. Yeah. It's one of those where, like, the stuff behind the scenes is way more interesting than the movie itself. Oh, yeah. I it's wish... It's such a shame when that happens, though. Like, because it can be interesting, but it just... It, like, you watch it for the train wreck aspect. You know what they yeah. should do? They should do, like, a... Um, oh, what what was that room movie that, they, that just came out? Oh, uh, The Disaster Artist. They should yeah. do a Disaster Artist, except with this movie. Oh, yeah, no. I was thinking. I think what about would... the what about the sweat box? You, That's uh, what I was ever... thinking of. Doing yeah, the sweat box yeah. with it. Oh, have uh, have what, you ever seen that box? one? Oh, the... dude, Ro- Robbie, break it down. So the sweat box is a documentary that is, uh, what's the word here? Like basically cut. Like you cannot find a legal copy of it. It's because... being like basically repressed and censored by Disney. Yes, because it's a documentary about the production of. Um, the Emperor's New Groove, mm-hmm. which was originally going to be a totally different movie. Like, literally night and day. It was supposed to it be was... a musical. It was supposed to be explicitly set in South America. Um, Yzma, well, like... Almost like a Lion King-style epic. Yeah. Yzma wanted to, like, kill the sun because she was old. That plot point didn't make a lot of sense. But the it just, re- like, watching that documentary was super interesting to learn about a lot of the things they were doing, and while I do like The Emperor's New Groove, it certainly gives me an uh, a sort of pang of like, man, what if we had had that movie? Also because Harvey Firestein was supposed to be one of the <laughs> sidekicks. I forgot about that. I... Yeah, I know, because I love Harvey Firestein, oh, and I would have loved, loved to see him in there, but it wouldn't have made sense. So, we'll see. Listen, Cusco, that... honey, what you need to do is this. <laughs> <laughs> that that makes a lot of sense because we had uh, Thomas Estrada on the on the show, and he was a uh, artist on, in uh, on Emperor's New Groove. Oh and wow! Oh, they cool. had designed characters like there was a candlestick, um, mm-hmm. and there was a whole bunch of other characters that were set for this uh, like dining room scene that ended up they just all got cut. Oh yeah. Yep. But yeah. like, like I mean, it, it'll show them like apparently it was more than just it, almost like a Beauty and the Beast type thing where it was more mm-hmm. than just uh, Cusco that was supposed to get turned. Yeah, like it, it, like it affected the entire kingdom. Yeah, and the, here and the weird thing is that so I was such a nerd when I was a kid that I actually bought the soundtrack for The Emperor's New Groove even though there were only like I just bought it for the Tom Jones songs, but <laughs> it happens to have yeah I know laugh it up it's fine. Um, I mean, that's not unusual, but... <laughs> no, I know it's ah! not unusual at all. <laughs> What's new, pussy? And anyway. <laughs> uh, no, so here's the weird thing is that within that uh, nationally released CD, they have two of the deleted songs from that mm-hmm. movie, one of which is a ballad that's supposed to be between um, when Pacho was being used as the main character. It was like a Prince and a Pauper style thing. So Cusco was originally called Manco, and Pacho was supposed to be his lookalike that was out as a shepherd out in the um, in the middle of uh, you know the Andes Mountains. So there's a song that's a ballad between him and his love interest called One Day She'll Love Me. And there's oh, also Yzma's song. Yeah, we, yeah, I know, right? And there's another one uh, called Snuff Out the Light, which is Yzma's song, as Robbie had mentioned before, that's all about her trying to, like, 
eradicate the sun because she blames it for robbing her of her beauty because she's aging. Um, both of these, I'm 90% sure you can still get them on YouTube. Definitely listen to Snuff Out the Light because I think that someone made a storyboard version of it and it's really good. It's a great song because it's Eartha Kitt, so automatically it's awesome. Yep. But highly recommend checking them out because it does give you a bit more of a... Um, uh, idea of what kind of vibe they were going for, especially the One Day She'll Love Me song, because it that goes for, it was still Sting doing music, but he was super pissed because they, or, sorry, um, Sting was super mad That's fine. at Disney. You can, because, you can uh, say pissed. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Well, fine. Yes! Um, so, <laughs> I'm not, not, Robbie, it has to be within context. Um, <laughs> but no, like essentially Sting was super bent out of shape at the studio because they scrapped about 12 songs that he made. Yep. And this is all encapsulated within the documentary. You might still be able to find it. It's just very um, discreetly monitored by Disney because they don't want people seeing it. But it's still, it's definitely worth a watch because it's interesting in its own right. And I wish that they, they didn't get rid of it. But it's because it presents them in a bad light from a legal standpoint that they oh, yes. don't want anyone seeing it. So, but that sounds yeah. awesome. That's my spiel. <laughs> if I still have a copy, I'll send it to you. That's, that's great. Uh, yeah. You know what I completely forgot? We completely forgot to talk about. Hmm. the freaking fairies oh yeah uh they accomplished nothing they seemed as I mean, but they were them... super cute <laughs> they were cute and yeah, one of sure. them was totally link i i i, I, I mean yes. dolly dolly was uh, annoying <laughs> was that the old one that followed them yeah i i like the one that looked like santa that one was cute yeah the king king uh <laughs> damn it king, yeah king yeah. candy uh dr light <laughs> we'll go know. with king candy king candy sounds <laughs> great yeah. um yeah, that but no, like those 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 four that we saw, I was like, oh, those are super cute. And I'm like, they can all talk normally except for the little blonde one. Um, yeah, so cute. She has to have a speech impediment because yeah. she's the she's the little baby. Cindy Sue fairy. Um, Cindy Lou fairy. Who oh, Cindy Lou. It's not fairy. Cindy Sue. It's Cindy Lou. Yeah, Cindy Lou fairy. Um, yeah, but and like I, but no, like there was that link, that one that was totally link. Like yeah, I absolutely. saw, I was like. That one's Link right there. It even has like that same long red brown hair, like OG Link. I'm yeah. like, that's it. That's and Link. And now it's super obvious that why Shigeru Miyamoto totally stole the idea for Link's design from that. I'm like, you know what, man? Good for you. You made it into something yeah. cool. But it was weird I, I, because I like they're they're called dwarves, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean they're not dwarves; they're clearly fairies. Yeah, it's like you if anything, call them they're spirits elves, or sprites maybe? or yeah, or uh, yeah. Something. If you, you could maybe make the argument for elves, but, but they, not... they're pretty transparently fairies. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the 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 linguistic distinction there for like Welsh old myth is probably not there. Yeah, that's true. Well, and uh, admittedly, they may have also um, changed it to keep it consistent with whatever they had in the book too. I don't know. Yeah, who um, knows? Like maybe they just decided to call them that. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't have, but that's that's just me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's go ahead and rank this. So uh, we're gonna do the the ranking scale of one to five whatevers. So let's start <laughs> with uh, Tracy. Tracy, what do you give this movie? Um, I'm gonna give this a solid. I don't know. Uh, two gurgy apples because it's this enticement of you want it to be something better than what it is and then you just end up with like kind of an apple core where there's the roots of something there that you could make better but they just didn't do it and they spent too much money on it yeah all right what about you Robbie <laughs> uh I like the gurgy apple metaphor but I was going to go with get your uh, own metaphor Robbie I I am uh <laughs> I think I'm going to go with three out of five Gurgis. 
it's enticing. I, I, I kind of like the way it looks. So and, is that uh, bad, though? I mean, three Gurgies, that's like... That's a lot of Gurgies. How many snarfs is that? <laughs> oh, God, I don't but, know. But it, what's what's the snarf ratio here? What's the, the snarf, snarf to Gurgie ratio? ratio? Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, what I mean is, like, I really enjoy it. I do, um, because it's a lot of fun. But I don't think I enjoy it for what it is. I enjoy it for what it should be and for the thing, the fun things that go on in my head while watching it. <laughs> so it's more that you're making a much better movie in your own head <laughs> I'm, with the material that they gave you? Because, again, watching this movie, my mind just constructs this meta-narrative of a D&D party playing a game. Yeah. And this and is that, where you and I differ because I don't play that. Yeah, so that, like that makes the whole thing a lot more fun for me. It's just like Bard, roll a bluff. I get a two. Your heart breaks. Damn it. Okay. I, and I'm I'm kind of go gonna go with Robbie on this one. Like it, to me, I, I'm gonna give it three Dipper Pines, just because. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, and I guess Dipper also plays um, Dungeons Dungeons uh, and more Dungeons. So yes. that's a that's a fun one. Um, but no, I, I, there's, I wish the movie was more, um, I'm sure uh-huh. if I read the books, which I'm probably going to go to half price later today and see if I can find <laughs> one. Oh, that is my old beat too. I'm the sure, best. I'm sure I could. So I'm going to go over there, see if I can find something. Um, and who knows, maybe it's like the best thing ever written. <laughs> um, it'll be tough, but who knows? Maybe it's better Soldier than the magicians. On. Um, yep, let, let us know how yeah. it goes if you do it. Fun side note, the author actually really likes the movie. Really? Does not think it at all resembles his books, <laughs> but just had a good time with it. So it's like the inverse Stephen King. Uh, Yeah, probably. Yeah, no, I could see that. That's cool. I mean, yeah, so yeah, for me, I mean, it's good. It's not the best Disney movie. It's definitely oh, not certainly. the worst Disney movie. Yeah, the um, worst so Disney fair. movie is probably... <laughs> Probably Home on the Range. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I thought you were going to go something different. No. Let's go. go uh, Worst uh, worst Disney movies. Oh, for me, it's probably Frozen. I I don't like Dumbo. So much. Yeah, uh, Dumbo's not. Fantasia, mostly just because, like, everyone's like, oh, the animation's amazing. I'm like, I don't care. I still think that movie is boring as sin. Because I was... (laughs) No, okay, and this is why, because I was such a dork in high school that I went to Tech Campus, and they had us watch Fantasia as, like, instead of having a final, we watched the movie. I was the only one there, and I was so angry at myself, and I was forced to watch Fantasia because the bus wasn't going to be there, and I resent that movie ever since. So, mine is obviously a very objectively based. Well, that, and there's Fair Pinocchio, enough. too. Yeah. And, Pinocchio's no, Pinocchio, just boring. No, like, Pinocchio messed me up again. again, though. Like the, the part at the end with with Lampwick turning into the donkey still sticks with me. It's Woo! I think it's horrific. Woo! Like it's great animation, but it's horrific. It's like there's it's no like, likable kids don't smoke in and don't movie. swear because then you'll turn into a donkey. Yeah, it's like it's, I don't know. Uh, I find Pino- I find uh, not Pinocchio. I find um, Good Lord Jiminy Cricket pretty likable. Oh, yeah, eh. because I, I like his I, I, I like the codger. I like Honest John because he doesn't pretend to be anything else. I mean, he is very honest. He's like, yeah, I'm. I'm just I mean, gonna. He's honest uh, to himself. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like, do you mean like just the most boring Disney movie? I mean, or, like, just I, one I, that, I, that just was fails that was just gonna so go levels? with that. Yeah, I don't know what I was going with that. 
it's fine. Um, yeah, but my answer is still home on the range because something about Roseanne Barr being a cow that where she makes a joke called, yeah, they're real, quit staring at them, doesn't do it for me. Uh, it's also pretty on the nose. It is. It's pretty unnecessary. Uh, also, they the, the cows are defeated by yodeling, apparently. Like, yodeling so puts them, like, under a spell or something. And the only one who doesn't get put under a spell is Tone Deaf, and it's voiced by Jennifer Tilly. And I'm just like, I don't know who this movie is for. <laughs> I don't think Disney I don't, knew who that movie was for. I I don't know. I mean, granted, 2002 was a rough time for a lot of people, but Disney especially. I just don't remember that movie at all. You're not supposed to. It's really bad. Oh, God. Well, guys, thanks so much for coming on and, I guess, talking about Black Cauldron. We talked, <laughs> we talked around Black Cauldron a lot. We got into it at some point. Yeah. We dipped our toes in, at least. Now you know what it's like trying to get dinner with us and having the conversation inevitably get derailed. Oh, yes. Oh, man. All right, so yeah, where can everybody find you guys? Uh, first. I, I guess. It's it's Go our ahead. standard. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at lobster underscore writer and lobster99 on Instagram. Tracy, where do they find you? Thank you, Robbie. They can find me at TC Troush on Twitter and Instagram. They can also find our show on Tumblr, notjoannaeggs.tumblr.com, which has a link to an episode guide and also just miscellaneous stuff that we find that we want to promote. So, mm-hmm. All right. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Animation Station Podcast, on Twitter at Animate Podcast. Facebook, Tumblr, all the rest of them, Animation Station Podcast. You can also catch all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and now Google Play. You can also go to our website, animationstationpodcast.com. Again, thanks so much, guys, for coming on. Thank you so much for having us. This is great. And be sure and check out uh, uh, our episode with them where we talk about the 2012 French animated film, The Day of the Crows. Which, let's see. I guess if we were to rank the two, you guys had the better episode. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we got into more uh, lore and interesting stuff about. Um, I think this one. So I think that this will. I think this will probably be a funnier one. Yeah, I think because uh, yeah. the other one is just us singing its praises about how great it is. Yeah, yeah this one we're so. doing a little bit bashing. Yeah. So for the Animation Station podcast, I'm Josh. I'm Robbie. And I'm Tracy. Bye-bye, little butterfly. Because animation is for everyone. Oh, God, I went to puberty there. Butterfly in the sky. (laughs) I can go twice as high. All right. Uh, right. I think I'm ready to get get, fix myself a sandwich. I'm going to (laughs) stop.